You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at the Star Hunter Redux episode, Chasing Janus. Travis and Callie are setting up to take in a smuggler named Strasser, but things go south when he recognizes Callie and shoots her. She's in a bad way, and Travis doesn't take her to the nearest ER. He takes her back to the ancient Transutopians Medical Bay, where they put her in an obsolete and malfunctioning cryopod. It's bad. She's done for. Massive organ damage of a kind that neither artificial nor donor replacements will do. It's worse. Strasser is really desperate to kill them all, attacking the Transutopian while still docked to Clark Station. They escape, but they do significant damage to the station. Between the age of the cryopod and the attack, Callie's pod will last maybe a day. Luckily, she's from a rich family and She'll probably have a blank. A brainless body clone rich people have in case they need an organ. Off to Mars they go. Travis meets Janus Larcadia, Callie's father. Thanks, but uh, nothing I can do. Callie's never had a blank made. Janus isn't being truthful, though. There is a Callie blank. He's just no longer in possession of it. He used it as collateral for a loan when times were tough. Now, they're foreclosing. They're... Might be an alternative arrangement, says the man holding the loan. Travis discovers a deception and returns to see Janus. Meanwhile, Strasser is also on Mars and is taking an interest in Callie's blank. He threatens Callie's mom. He shoots at Travis, but only Travis gets arrested by the Martian police. Janus may no longer have any money, but no one knows that, so he still has pull with the police. They let Travis loose and let him look through the police files to identify Strasser. He's former Citadel Squad, the group Callie brought down, along with her career. He's playing dead under his assumed name, and he doesn't want to be found out. Janus, meanwhile, is selling his live organs to pay for Callie's. Rodolfo has followed him and interrupts him before he goes under the saw, much to his consternation. Strasser arrives. Travis arrives. Fights happen. Travis wins. Travis then goes to the man holding the loan on Callie's blanket, and threatens him with almost certain death if he doesn't forgive the loan, perform the operation for free, and presumably not turn Travis over to the authorities afterwards. Callie is just fine. And her dad is pleased she's finding her way in the world. But no point in telling her that. And they leave things a chilly animosity. The end. All right, Chasing Janus. What are your thoughts on the episode? There's a bit of pathos at the end. Um, that is, um, this is one of my, well, the early episodes in the second season. This is on, this is toward the top of my list. Okay. I, um, I watched it with my wife. Uh, coincidentally, she doesn't usually uh, join me for these. She's seen bits or maybe one or two whole episodes of Star Hunter in the past. Uh, she certainly heard me talk about it, and, and and she offered an opinion. She goes, "I mean, I don't know about the rest of the show, but this is uh, this is all right." 
So, I mean, damning it with faint praise a little bit, but I, and I said, you know something? You're exactly right. That's a, that's exactly what I came out of this going. It's like, yeah, all right. It's okay. Yeah. Um, wasn't, wasn't anything particularly of, objectionable in it again. So, uh, it's good. I had, I had like two things that came to my mind about it. And other than that, it was, it was just, you know, this is fine. Um, I feel like there should be, I don't know. It seems to me like there's an ownership issue with regards to Callie's blank. And I get the idea that her parents may have purchased the blank when they had money, when they were rich and not putting on airs. And therefore, it's theirs. But at the same time, this feels like the kind of area where laws would not allow that. I'm not saying they wouldn't necessarily allow a blank. And I'm not saying that there isn't, you know, one law for the rich. But this feels like something that when you came of age, uh, your parents don't get to keep that kind of thing. And... I don't know. It, it just, it, it's an interesting idea. I've obviously I've seen it, seen it before. Can't, can't name any books or, or shows off the top of my head that, that have the idea of having your own, your own clone waiting for your, I, I know there was one, a movie not long ago, but it might've been an interesting area to explore, but, but they kind of don't. They just treat it like a chunk of flesh and go on. And I presume, because there's nothing in it in this episode that tells you, I presume that this was a legal transaction. Because yes. he was talking about having legal documents that Janus had secured this loan with this, as as opposed to, you know, doing this with a backstreet butcher kind of thing. So ownership laws would apply. Re- legitimate laws of what you can, what you can, secure a loan with as collateral uh, would have kicked in. But that in itself would be an interesting topic. I mean, how would would you handle that? I I, I don't know. But I I would have liked to have spent more time on that than uh, like the, I don't know, was it 12 and a half minutes they spent trying to open the cryopod at the beginning because they were running short of time in the episode? Um, Well, yeah. Um, well, with regard to the blanks, uh, I will tell you this: which, um, remember, remember the concept of a blank because it will become very important in one upcoming episode. Okay. This this episode establishes blanks. Okay. Well, will we get into the legal issues with regards to blanks later on? No, but the okay, but but, but, it, but nobody is going around talking about it in, in, in whispers, right? Maybe, no, I, I mean, didn't think this was. I mean, I didn't think this that, was. Perhaps that answers your question. Which is, it's just what rich people do; they have blanks. Yeah, no, that's I. I totally agree. I, 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 I completely got that this was a legitimate thing that the rich people did. That absolutely one hundred percent legitimate. That you can have yourself cloned, and that you can have it cloned without a brain stem and that the law, because rich people ultimately well, get to write the laws. Well, there, there, there actually is a brain stem. There's nothing above. Well, above the brain. The brain stem. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm 
okay, I'm fine with it. Like I say, that's that's definitely been used in other shows. And I'm fine with that being part of this this universe. That that wasn't what I was getting at. Okay. What I was getting at is if I went out and had one made right now and it's been established that that's property, is there no distinction between that and in other words, I bought it and it's it's a it's mine. And it doesn't matter that I bought it. It looks like my child. It's mine. You know, I mean, you you have less, you have slightly less rights. And I'm not saying it's justifiably that this is wrong. I'm just saying you have less rights if the property you own is a dog than you do if it's a sofa, right? You can, you can chop up your sofa, but you can't chop up your dog because there are laws protecting dogs. And rightly so, because there are some sick people out there. I would assume that a blank would get at least a level of protection with a dog. And I would think that because the purpose of a blank is that it is it is uniquely you. It is your organs. That if a parent cloned a minor child a child is sort of the parent's property until they turn the age of maturity. But when they turn the age of maturity, has the parent got a claim to having that anymore? And I know there's upkeep, and so that might be a issue. Is, but I, I kind of wonder if, if he, if legally he could turn over the blank of another human being that is not him who did not sign on the dotted line. That that's what I was. Yeah. Oh, I see. Well, interested the, in the. Uh, we don't actually get into that. Uh, I've always understood this to be that Callie could have it if she wanted it, but then except. again, <laughs> ex, except he, she, except she chose to leave the blank with her parents, and her parent and her father and mother signed it over as, you know, hold this and because I could because I'm getting a loan. Well, yeah, exactly. But my 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 point being here is that just because she left it behind with her parents, it is it is a part of her. Yeah. Not them. And she's an autonomous identical. Uh, I'm interested as to why they would think that the property rights would remain with the parents. Because even if she did leave it with them, even if they're paying the bill to keep it on the machine, which obviously it has to be on a machine forever, so it's it's not just a one-time expense. It's a, it's a forever expense. Would they be able to sign the document over to Dr. Frankenstein there and say... Uh, you know, oh, I'll, I'll use my daughter's blank as collateral. Oh, is your daughter 18? Well, yeah, she is. Well, then I'll need her to sign it, won't I? Or I can't do this. That's my thought. And and if they don't, and they don't go into that in this show, they don't. I'm, I'm not saying that they did or that even perhaps they should have brought in Perry Mason and we had a, a court case on this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that would be an interesting uh, area no. to explore, not... Uh, you know whether that be for them or for for us to just explore uh, in in the course of conversation. Uh, I, I the whole well, idea is a little problematic. Well, so. it is um, it is, and and those are some moral implications. But as far as the legal um, practices go, um, I think we've established that sometimes rich people go extra legal sometimes, and who really cares? Uh, in terms of law, because obviously the rich people have rich people inspire some deference. Um, I also get the impression also that Callie doesn't really care to lug her blank around with her. That seems reasonably fair. 
Um, I assume she knows it exists. Yes. But, again, like I say, I I understand that her parents have got it and they are paying. Well, she thinks they're paying to keep it alive. So, but again, it just comes back to morally, is it hers? You know, is it, is it a, it's a clone. If it, if it had a brain, would it have any rights on its own? It, it, it doesn't. Good question. But even if, even if it doesn't have rights, is it, I don't know. I just, I, my, my gut reaction is that if you sat down and somebody started writing laws, you know, whether or not they're being influenced by rich people or not, uh, sometimes you, you have to, you still have to kind of play the game and say, no, that's, that's my, uh, that it is the property of the person who was the donor of the cells. And it doesn't matter who paid for it. It just, it is their property. They're the, you know, it, and of course what we get in this show, which, which kind of takes this out a little bit. And and I know that they, they said it, she has too much, too many organs, too much damage that they can't go with artificial organs, which obviously they can make. And they can't go with donor organs, which obviously you can get. We'll always come to that later. Um, therefore, the only option to her is a perfect donor match. And it just didn't seem like it would be that difficult to find organs in this universe, as we've discussed, uh, their value of life, that whoever the doctor was going to sell Callie's blank to, that's really no different than just grabbing some random organs off the shelf. So it, it's not a, it's not really a good solution. It certainly wouldn't pay back his, it wouldn't seem to be worthy of paying back his loan because it kind of sounds like it was a very expensive loan. Yes. But, you know, the, the value of the blank is, is in the value of how genetically perfect match it is. So... Again, you know, he 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 is selling them off, and therefore I assume he is selling them off legally. I think mm, uh, uh, that's hard to say. Uh, well, okay, uh, if, if if I had a legal document with him, if if yeah. I had sold my child's blank or my blank to him, and I had a legal document. And it's this is a totally legit transaction. He is that is my that is my collateral. I don't think he can be in a position where he takes it and then and then sells it to somebody illegally, because uh, I would have words about that if it were my blank. I'll go. Wait a minute. You, uh, <laughs> if this isn't a legitimate transaction, I'm going to turn you over to the police and try to get my blank back before you can do this. So it's it's got to be. It's got to be a legit uh, organ donation. You know, you foreclose on a body, we let it die, yeah. we take the organs out. But but then that's really not, it, it's not much better. It's As far as I can tell, it's not better than getting them from somebody else or having them grown artificially. Right. Unless, you know, unless there's a, a scarcity of it. And I and I don't think his client's probably poor. No. That wants the parts. So, I don't know. It it, it It's just, it's an interesting area. It's an interesting area. And I can tell you, I see your point there. And I can tell you from 
having seen, having seen the series, that the uh, laws of the Mars Federation are not always on the up and up. Well, that's been true of every every place we've seen so far. But I guess that comes back to the that comes back to my point that even when you're writing up corrupt laws, you kind of have to make them look like they aren't. If that makes sense. It, I mean, it does. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it, it's it's not like we haven't seen that Mars has a system of criminal justice, that that system has some wacky aspects to it, like we'll blank your mind or we'll remove your criminal intents for a year and then let you have them back, <clears throat> which that was Mars, obviously. Um, so, again, even though if, even if the law is administered corruptly or that the, the rich can get around the laws, you still... You know, even if it's with the uh, the permission of the courts and if it's with permission of the cops, it is the corrupt permission of the courts and the corrupt permission of the of the cops. So I said, yeah, I know you're not supposed to kill them, but for, slip me 50 bucks and we'll look the other way kind of thing. Um, but it's still illegal to kill them. You know, so. Yes. That, that, that's my that's my point. I, I guess I guess we should hit the other part of the organ organ trade at the same time since I've that was where every last bit of my notes are. Again, I get that it's for effect and it's to show how awful everything is, but there is no way, there is absolutely no way that I buy the notion that somebody who wants to get value out of donated organs is gonna cut a person up live without anesthesia with a saw and expect not to ruin some of those organs, right? I mean, even if they just kill him, because they're going to take his heart. He's a dead man. Yeah, yes. But it's like, well, I can put you out and you won't feel any of it. Or I can hack into you with this saw, which means you're going to scream, you're going to writhe, you're going to eventually pass out in agony. But I'm not thinking you're really going to be doing doing justice to those organs that you're trying to take who knows he might have a heart attack on this spot and die from the terror of it you just you just wouldn't do that you want the body to be calmed down you don't want the adrenaline to be pumping through and the heart rate racing and everything you want them calmed down um so yeah okay it it makes for a sunny funny scene when he's hung up in there chalking his body over and get out the get at the Vibrasaw, but uh, it just made no sense at all, other than they were just trying to make it look awful. What else have we got? I I, I really, I mean, the rest of it was just, okay. All right, I have notes here. I will go through this. My first point is, uh, let's look at the parents' names. Janus and Mom. Vesta. Okay, Vesta. Okay. Roman deities. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's start with Janus, given that the episode title is Chasing Janus. Don't know why, but but okay. I mean, I don't okay. know why it's called that, but... but. Okay, um, here, here. I did look up, I did look up the, uh, some, did look up these Roman deities. Janus was the Roman god of the past, the present, and the future. 
He was responsible for doorways, gates, and all beginnings. And the depiction was he had two faces, one looking back and the other looking forward. Mm-hmm. And then we have Vesta. Romans who worshipped Janus and Vesta usually invoked them in the same breath, apparently. Okay. So these two came associated with with the word and between them. Um, Vesta, the goddess of the family hearth. And um, people believed that Janus and Vesta were present at all weddings and and at all sacrifices. I'm having a stretch seeing that that's in any way significant to their characterization in this story. And so you know, like, mom and... I did. So I did. Just, yeah. So I look at Vesta um, um, being something of the protector of the home. So okay. And the depiction of Janus, uh, the god, as having two faces. Is that? I was wondering what you think about our character of Janus Larcadia. Does he have two faces? Well, I mean. As you say, Janus is past, present, and future. And so having two faces looking forward and back is is not two-faced as we use the term now. Two-faced exactly. meaning say one thing to you but mean something different. Exactly. So, I mean, no, the, the, the association with, with Janus's two-face, not really. Is the character two-faced? Yes, I suppose. Uh, it's not quite what I think of when I think of somebody being two-faced. But yes, he did tell a fib, and uh, or or an outright lie um, about the existence of of Callie's blank, and he is living a lie that there's still. I guess a, I I think we're supposed to get that there not actually wealthy anymore. They're not. And that they're living on that loan. Because if you've got that loan, you are wealthy, uh, as long as you've got the loan. But, you know, I mean, they still have their house and their grounds and their estates and, and, and whatnot. So uh, I could see somebody going at that with a sort of, uh, maybe if you had a, had a very facile, uh, from the writer's standpoint so hey who's that two-faced guy in mythology oh you mean janus yeah (laughs) that's the name for my character but not because of anything to do associated with janus himself i mean yes okay he's the origin of of life therefore you could say he's the father i mean we used to play this game at work uh because i used to name all the servers and i named all servers after mythology and I spent an inordinate length of time looking for exactly the right name for my servers. And, you know, that, that, so I, I kind of have a, I kind of have a sympathy with that approach. And this feels like he didn't spend enough time researching it. Um, But I guess if you put them together and say the father source and the home maker or homekeeper, that that actually fits better than the two faced angle to me. It's like it's mom and dad. So what what is uh, uh, Callista, which Cal- I guess is Callista? It is uh, is Greek meaning most beautiful. So no no tie to them. It's not like the goddess of 
runaway children or something. No, that no. Would be better. But also, I did notice that um, ca- casting of the of the actors for the parents was very good because they can believe that um, these two would create someone who looked like Callie Larcadia. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. That's fair. I mean, sometimes Although, sometimes in movies and TV shows, I look at people who are supposed to be playing siblings or parents and siblings, and I think, no. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, no. Hope they can act because they don't look alike. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's reasonable. Uh, Mom wasn't in it enough to really uh, get a feel. I, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a flaw in this, and... I think part of it is I can't tell if mom is the nastier of the two, but Certainly, I kind of get she, the impression she, she is. Yes, she seems like the snob, doesn't she? Well, it's not that either. I mean, it, it, she when she chastises her husband, it it actually to me sounded more like she was trying to guilt him into doing the right thing as opposed to continuing the lie that they're living. And... You could argue that that's that's the right thing to do, right? Put your child ahead of your pride. But in the end, I don't think that's what it was. And certainly, I got the distinct impression that Callie likes her mom less than her dad. She does. At the end. Oh, yeah. So um, that made me think, and we're supposed to like Callie, ergo people that Callie doesn't like, we're supposed to dislike. More. Yes. So and I, it, I, I and it seems that. that the mother of Vesta deems to um, really disapprove of her daughter. And Janus is the one saying, well, she has to live by her code and be honest. And that's good for her. And that could be it. I mean, that, 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 that could be all there is to it that uh, she just disapproves. So, and um, the speaking of the mother, the actress was Norma Clark. Now, uh, I grant grant you that IMDb is not thorough sometimes, and sometimes it's downright inaccurate. However, uh, with that caveat, I point out that if we can believe the IMDb page for Norma Clark, she was in twenty four episodes of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. In the, 19, in the early 1950s, she played Cadet Joe Spencer, IMDb said. So there's our science fiction connection. Well, I have a number of episodes of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. Joe, what's, what's her? Joe, what's it? Joe Spencer. Spencer, that should be an easy one to track down. Um, I might take a look. Um, just, she obviously was... Let's see. This made was made in the thousands. Well, this two thousand three. So yeah, so she looks old enough to have been, been a child. Looks old enough to have been uh, to have been a child in the early nineteen fifties. Well, the space cadets were all kind of youngish, so that would have made sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I also the um, Sean Lawrence played Janus Larcadia. I looked him up on IMDb. He uh, seems to be a character actor who stays busy. Okay. And um, Lawrence Bain played Strasser slash Dvac. And he apparently stays very busy doing voice work for cartoons and video games. Okay. 
Well, he didn't have a bad voice. I, I got to say, when I saw him, I thought, could this be the son of Perkins on The Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo? Um, mm. he, he really gave me that vibe from the first scene he was in. I mean, he wasn't an incompetent buffoon like Mike Perkins was. On this. I don't even remember the name of the actor for that. But um, that was that was the only thing that his, his uh, appearance triggered in my mind. It was yeah. like, ah, if they do a remake of that. I could see that. I could yeah. see uh, Clive Robertson playing BJ and uh, BJ McKay as well. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah. I remember that yeah. show. Um, I was a just a wee lad in those days. Uh, I do remember I uh, looked up Lawrence Bain on IMDb, and and uh, apparently he one side of his family is Cree Indian, and the other is Scottish. So that explains his um, his ethnic appearance there, and it's because. Okay, we, now we got that in. The writer is Denis McGrath. It's D-E-N-I-S, and I know enough French to realize that that is Denis. Who? Who is this? The, the writer. Oh, the writer. The writer. Sorry, I thought we were still talking characters. I'm going, no, no, I do no. not remember a name a character named the no. writer. In the... Okay, no, okay. the writer is... Brain this... not engaged. Okay, the writer of this episode is Denis McGrath. I think that's a new name. This is the first episode of three he wrote for this season, in the whole series. Okay. And well. uh, the the uh, and and I, I wrote down the name of the other two episodes, and uh, I seem to remember liking those episodes too. Now there are some, there are a couple of especially cringeworthy episodes in season two. One of them being a clip show, but the <laughs> um, sorry. But the I uh, do but becoming Shiva and Painless, I have to say, are fairly damn good episodes. Okay. The a clip show, and, huh? Okay. Yes. I'll look forward but, to that one. <laughs> uh it's right toward the end. They say you have to um We gotta make our twenty two. Yes, we have to talk exactly. And uh, the director at times we talk about direction. Roger Gartland, who was one of the more frequent directors in this season. And his previous ep- his previous effort in this season that we have watched was Starcrossed, and that was the one where you're talking about the odd, weird foot pl- angle, pl- yeah. pl- pl- foot places of odd places of putting cameras. Um. Okay. I mean, I there are a few episodes of the original season where, and again, I'm trying to make allowances for the weird edits that they may have put in there, where I really felt that the directors were very poor. Um, But for the most part, when I am watching television, I don't notice directors unless they either stand out as amazing for some reason, or they stand out as weird or awful for some reason. There was nothing in this episode that I recall standing out. There was a, a scene that I didn't go back and watch again where... This is where uh, Strasser is shooting at Travis from above. Travis is in a crowd. There is a scene where Travis is using human body as a shield. Yes. And I either didn't catch or it was muddled in such a way as to determine whether or not he used that shield before it had been killed or he just grabbed it because it was convenient after it was dead. Which, you know, is a significant difference in the character of a person. I got the impression that the person was already dead. Um, the portrayal of um, 
this Travis Montana is that he is an honest, honorable person. Yeah, he seems to be, quote, the hero dude and not the anti-hero dude. Um, So far, he has not got any of those annoying, self-destructive traits that Dante had that I've seen. And he just, they just cut him out of a different cloth. It's it's like they're not related. Um, Because they're not, actually, but never mind that. And I got that directly from G. Philip Jackson, so it's not something I pulled out of my ass. It came from the show creator. Yeah, but I don't trust show creators because George Lucas tells us that it was always supposed to be 12 movies and it was never Revenge of the Jedi. And he's lying after the fact. So, I mean, if it's not in the show, I I don't care what the creator says after. Well, I actually saw on disc the preview trailers that said Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah. I had the poster. I wish it still did. Okay. <laughs> that would be worth a fortune. Okay. Right? But right. And, and I and and honestly, I, I we might as well go on this rant now. Um I never went to see Return of the Jedi and never went to see another Star Wars film at a theater until gosh, you know, one of the one of the latter ones here because of that. That 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 kind of that kind of there's your two faced, uh, self important, pompous creator hypocrisy really gets on my wick. And not saying that that's what's happening here. I'm not. I'm just saying that that is one of those that that's a trigger for me. And uh, and 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 honestly is one of the reasons why I had problems with. Um, uh, you know, some of the interactions uh, in public with, with Straczynski at the time of Babylon 5 as well. Uh, just, you know, get it on the page, man. Get it on the page. Don't tell me how fantastic it is. Don't tell me what it means. Get it on the page. And, uh, you know, there's... And, and all of Star Hunter Redux kind of, kind of feels a little... I, I, I'm... Right. I'm, I'm not a I don't disagree with the notion that a creator can have a vision. And because television is such a collaborative work, right, there's funding, there's there's advertisers, there's all sorts of things that you have have to navigate to get the job done. So I'm not arguing that you couldn't have a director's cut of a TV show or director's cut of of a movie where the, the director comes along afterwards and says, no, this is what I was trying to get at, but I couldn't. I'm fine with that. Obviously, Star Hunter Redux is being portrayed as that from what you've told me. Yes. Right? That this is, you know, I had this different vision and things happened and this is this is my this is my magnum opus version of it and this is the this is the final last complete director's Blade Runner cut. The ultimate director's blade. I forgot what they called the final one out of that. I don't know how many different director's cuts they had on Blade Runner, but um, I've seen and I've seen them all. Yeah. <laughs> so and and you will admit you can change the show quite a bit. Yeah. By doing I just that, so. uh, this weekend I watched Francis Ford Coppola's recut of Godfather Part Three. Is it longer or shorter? It's uh, slightly shorter and rearranged a bit, and it's um, much better. I would say. Uh, of course, of course, he can't make up for Sofia Coppola's acting, but. <laughs> well, 
she had her. I'm sure she had a, a reason for being in that film. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure she had a good reason that she was not. She was not cast without a lot of thought and a lot of of you know good reasons. What, what uh, was supposed that. to be Winona Ryder. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I'm not a fan uh, of Winona Ryder, but okay, okay. But uh, but if you've ever read, but, but she was busy making Edward Scissorhands, I think. Huh. But anyhow, the. Uh, but if you ever watch the credits of a Godfather movie and notice how, how many times the surname Coppola shows up, that's well, a common name, isn't it? You, you, you it? may you may have your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I might. I think I might. All right. But anyhow, about I like to um, start Hunter here. I do have a I do have this note here that Marcus prefers elegance. And everything from ship reactor design to ballroom dancing. Now we are building up our new characters a bit by bit by bit by bit with each episode. He likes things that are elegant. Okay. Um. And I also noted that there are very good crew dynamics, that everyone on the ship seemed to be competent. Okay, I'll go with that. This one, uh, we had competent Rudolfo, mostly. There may have been a little problem there with the shootout with with Strasser at the at the end, but he did have two big guns, and uh, I don't know where he kept those two big guns. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I I agree that they by and large did a good job of everybody just working as a team and doing what they needed to do. So, and I have a note of that. I didn't put it in my final notes, but I have a note of it in my initial notes. Um, about that so that is an incredibly welcome change and however and and on my on my forever percy kick here uh they really seem to be trying to write her out when you have Uh, more characters on the ship that means you have to distribute more scenes more dialogue and more action among among the characters yeah yeah they'd already wrote callie out (laughs) but this one but uh, yeah, Percy, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with her behavior in this one that I can recall. Just I, I, I did note that it really was kind of Marcus's show as the engineer for the most part. I think they gave Percy one thing and they yeah. gave Marcus like two or three, but that was it. Um, so I guess they were trying to divvy him up and they gave them a little, I have marked, they gave him a little heart to heart talk. I don't know that I learned anything out of that heart-to-heart talk. Okay, an engineer who likes elegance. I've never met one that didn't. But, uh, you know, a well-functioning system is an elegant thing. So, and the transutopian is, well, not that. Exactly. (laughs) As I go through this, as I go through the second season again, for whatever time it is, I am trying to spot all the little hints that I've missed before. Okay. And what about, else we got? And by the way, well, I was going to ask you what you thought of Percy, but you will go ahead. You went ahead and answered that question. And I, as far as um, the dynamics of um, the Larcadia family go, um, I can believe that there, there could be um, parents and children who don't really talk to each other. Oh, I can believe that. I, I don't. I don't. Um, I. I guess you know the final scene is worth mentioning. Dad 
you know, talking to Travis, I wouldn't say he's sounding like he was gonna make it all right. I mean, he can't, but it did sound like he had found a a point of pride in his daughter. And Travis rightly points out to him, you know, you should, you should tell her that. And, 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 And he didn't. He didn't. And I don't really like the way that dynamic played out because what it felt like was, you know, she wakes up and she was immediately a jerk to him and he pulled back. But then he lied to her about your mom sends her love. Whether or not he didn't. He did did say that. He did say that. I'm just saying I don't know whether he actually lied about that or not. Right. Uh, I I don't think he had the chance. He probably lied. He probably didn't have a chance to talk to mom. Maybe mom said, I'll send her my love or whatever. Or maybe she didn't. And whether or not she did, Callie wouldn't have believed it, whether it was true or not, because obviously she said, you know, she didn't do that. So, um, but this is not my reading of human beings. I, again, not having enough based on what we've seen. Her dad didn't seem like, I mean, he seemed like a desperate man, but he didn't seem like he was as super terrible as Callie portrays him he wasn't so um when he has the opportunity and she's down on the bed and she's she's not strong enough to kick his butt so uh this is the time to drive it home that you know you may have terrible expression about me or thoughts about me but this is what i wanted to say and it's gonna do one of two things he gets it off his chest and he said it and it's a it's a worm that sticks in her head and she may reject it and she may throw it out and go, nah, I don't believe him. Or she, it may niggle at her and it may bother her. And she was a jerk to him. So if it bothers her, good. You know, I mean, you can you can look at that as being a a, a spite. I'm proud of you, too. I mean, it doesn't really matter how it lands. If it lands well, great. If it lands badly. It it is it didn't cost him anything to say it or to push forward, to push back against her. He just didn't. He backed away. And, you know, will Travis tell her afterwards? You know, your dad said he was really proud you're always the best at what you do, or whatever it was that he said. Um I don't know. I and I and I don't know about Travis, but it just I don't know. It just didn't quite play out. I mean it played out a little too stereotyped there i get they don't get along maybe i've never been in that situation i've seen people in those situations where they just don't get along but i have been fortunate not to be in that kind of place so all right uh we got anything else i have one more point which is remember strasser whose real name is dvac because later in the season the backstory about him and callie will be important again. Are we talking about the backstory between him personally and Callie? Yes. Or the Citadel squad the, Well, that the, is, the, is the only story they have between them, aside from trying to kill her. But that whole background with, with the squad will come up again later in the season. It will be crucial to an episode. I was expecting that not to be done with Strasser. The, the funny thing is, I guess... I, I I don't have a feel for how big Citadel Squad is, right? Is it like four guys or is it is it you know four a uh, four hundred? 
I can't help um, you. There's never an answer. Yeah. And so the reason I ask is that he recognized her. She didn't recognize him. If they were comrades in arms, I kind of thought she should recognize him. You know, that, 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 well, that lends it more toward um, your hypothesis that it may be a bigger squad. That That's kind of my thought. In other words, there were a bunch of people. She thinked out the whole squad and some of them, you know, she may never have actually interacted with her, but they all know her face because she's the one that got them in trouble. So, yeah, that was my that was my thought there. Um, okay. And then also, frankly, you know, I don't know that he'd recognize her. I barely recognized her in that dress. It was quite a dress. Yeah. I mean, at first, I mean, you know, she's undercover and it took me a double, took me a double take to spot her and go, oh, that is actually Callie. When, you know, when Travis started to go talk to her, then I go, oh, well, it has to be Callie for sure. I'm positive now because he wouldn't talk to anybody else. But confines of story uh operations but um yeah yeah that that one bugged me a little you know it could be one of those ones where like you're you turned in the citadel squad the citadel squad caused uh my brother to kill himself i wasn't in the citadel squad but you know i remember you it it felt more like that than it did we were a team and you betrayed us kind of thing. So anyway, all right. Well, <clears throat> in that case, what in have that, we got for the next, oh, the fine. next episode of star hunter redux is Spaceman, And you will get a whole lot of Percy in that one. You're not making me look forward to it. <laughs> all right. Spaceman. As, mu- as much as this was very much a, yeah, Marcus I, I episode. See- the next yeah. one is a Percy episode. Yeah, I I could tell from the the previews that it's got naked Percy and having sex. So I figure yeah. she's probably the uh, the dupe in this story. But uh, uh, actually, we'll find the, out. the dupe I wouldn't. Uh, that is. Don't be so quick to judge about that one because there is a whole plot thread about the spaceman's effect on the crew. So just mm. it's, it's, it's everybody. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kenneth, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on Fusion Patrol, we will be looking at the fourth and final episode of 11th Hour, the episode entitled Miracle. We will be discussing how you can completely analyse the purity of water with a single litmus test, the incompetence of criminally-minded British security service officers, and our unanswered questions at the end of this very short-lived show. Please come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.